Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. What is up, Hot breath Verse? Welcome back to the Hot Breath Podcast, your weekly guide to comedy mastery. This is, of course, your host, comedian Joel Byers, and you know what time it is. Hot Breath. <sighs> Thank you so much for tuning in, Hot Brethren and Sistren. This episode today comes by request of you. Yes, you listening. One of the top questions, one of the top goals, one of the top struggles I have heard from you, hot brethren and sistern, has been consistently writing, wanting to write more. I know as comedians, we all think we should write more. And at the end of the day, a lot of all we want is just for our peers to think we're funny or we want the respect of our fellow comedians and writing is a big part of that so what I thought I would do is distill all of the episodes we've done I wanted to pick the top five writing tips to kind of help you kickstart your 2020 here I want to experiment with some more different kinds of episodes you know most recently I did a top 10 booze stories and I got a lot of response. So I want to try maybe some more like compilation episodes like this, especially ones that'll help you. And I know writing is a big pain point for a lot of us. So I thought sharing the top five tips from some of the best writers in comedy would really help us all, including myself, as I am this week releasing my first ever comedy special. Ten years into comedy, I got tired of waiting on someone else's approval and decided to produce my own comedy special. And I hope you enjoy it. The trailer's up on YouTube now. You can go to the link in bio and pick up the special. I would definitely appreciate your support as just like this show, this special is really supposed to be for comics by comics. The guy that directed it was actually a fan of the podcast. And he heard me talking about recording an album and he was like, hey, I have a production company. Uh, called Blind Lincoln, and I'd love to just make it a special. And now we have the Trophy Husband Comedy Special. So now I've worked 10 years to develop that show, and now it's time for me to start a new hour, which is very exciting and nerve-wracking. So I need this reminder just as much as any else of you out there do, regardless of the level, and that's what we'll learn in this episode as well, is just regardless of how far you are in the game, we all have our struggles. We all have to have our reminders that we still all need to do the work. No matter at what level of comedy you are, there's no way around the work. So I'm really hoping this one will inspire you to put that pen to paper or create that writing habit, whatever it is that gets your punchlines out and onto the stage. I'm hoping this helps a lot. So if you find it helpful, share it with other comics. When you're at an open mic, and the topic of writing comes up, why not just drop a little, you know, spread the hot breath the verse? Why not be like, oh, have you heard Hot Breath Podcast? Oh man, he just dropped this top five writing tips that has changed the game. So 
word of mouth, you guys telling other comics about this out at open mics, out at comedy clubs. If you're working with a headliner, let them know about it. Just word of mouth has become our best friend and how we've been able to share across every continent but Antarctica so far. We have listeners on. So if you are in another country or in another state, wherever you are, I appreciate you listening and spending your valuable time. I am looking to promote the comedy special however I can. So if you know of a blog or if you know of a podcast or a show, if there's anything you think I could um, get the word out there more, because my mission with the comedy special is to really inspire other comics to do the same. You know, I feel like with the internet and all the opportunities and all I've learned from this podcast, it's really inspired me that we can do it ourselves. We don't have to wait on anyone else. We don't have we can cut out the middleman and really just create our own success. So my mission with releasing this comedy special all independently is to inspire other comics to go all in on themselves and really start to create success and as they say, you know, rising tides raise all boats. So I'm hoping that this comedy special will inspire you to do whatever it is that you've been putting off. So it's a comedy special. It's a comedy album. It's that comedy tour. Just inspiring other comics to really start betting on themselves instead of waiting on someone else. So if you find that touches you or that touches you, that was a weird way to express it. I was just going to say, go get it if you want to support this cause and share it with others. And if you know of a different blog, I've reached out to some, have not heard back yet because, you know, we're all in this comedy grind together. No one is invincible to getting getting juked out there in the inboxes. But if there are any blogs or anything out there that you think would be good, even if it's just sharing their information with me, and I'll reach out to them. It's just the more we can work together, the better it's going to be. So for all of us, really, we're all in this comedy grind together. So let's get into this episode. How about that, huh? Time to get to some writing tips. I just, I like connecting with you. That's why I'm such a huge, excited fan of our f- private Facebook group. We have almost 300 members now. If you go on Facebook and search Hot Breath Comedy Network, join up and you'll connect with listeners from around the world talking about all of our favorite comedy topics and tips and such. So go join that and connect with me directly and other listeners and I just appreciate all your support, y'all, everyone on the Patreon, everyone that's donated through the website. It it really all does make a difference. So all that being said, the top five writing tips in hot breath history. This is so exciting. Oh my gosh. So first writing tip comes from one of our most popular episodes, and that is Mark Normand. Hot brethren and sister. And this is actually coming from our second interview we did with Mark. We did one interview with him a few years ago, and next time he was in Atlanta, boom. He decided he would do it again, and he dropped some comedy gems. This one's actually on YouTube as well. We are on YouTube, so if you haven't checked out the Hot Breath YouTube, go search it on YouTube, subscribe, share it as well. But this comes from Mark Norman one of the top writers in the game. I just straight up asked him, um, pretty much, hey, what are some of your top comedy tips? And he did not disappoint. So enjoy these tips, and I'll see you on the other side. 
So as comedians coming up, what are what are some tips you can have as we land this plane here? Because mm. this is, you know, it's all about just comedy and the comedy game. And what what are some tips you can maybe share with comics? Ooh, some big tips. All right, yeah. cut down on the booze. Don't go too hard. I was. Uh, here's the problem with booze. Do you drink? Not really. Good. Good for you. But uh, just. I love it so much, and I want to party, and I want to get drunk, but it kills your whole next day. Yeah. And I have bad anxiety, so when I'm hungover, my anxiety goes through the roof, and I'm like, you suck, you're going to bomb, this joke isn't good, and you're trying to write, and you're like, it all stinks. Have you ever written a joke in your life? You kill yourself, you suck, you're gay. So all <laughs> that shit. <laughs> and uh, all that comes out, and I already have enough of that sober, so when I'm drinking, it's it's even worse. But uh, So cut back on the booze. Just write, write, write. Even when you got nothing in your head, just go back to old tweets, look at old jokes, try something on stage. If you're doing a new bit and you're kind of not doing well with it, just throw in three more sentences real quick. Like, what else? Always stretch as much as you can. Don't go out and bomb a ton. But, like, well, last night I went on stage and I was like, I'm going to riff about Atlanta a little bit. Maybe nothing will come. Maybe it'll be humiliating. But it's not the end of the world. So even when you're like, all right, pull out, pull out, do three more sentences. Just say, fuck it. It's almost like when you're doing reps and you're on that last one and you can't do it, but you want to give up. And your friend goes, just push it a little bit. Even if you just get it up to here mm. instead of not doing it, mm -hmm. just that will give you some muscle, I think. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with comedy. Just push it a little further. Just stretch it as much as you can until you feel them like, all right, all right, we got it. And if you do that enough, over years you'll become amazing because you, you A, you're building something. B, you're learning what it feels like to be frazzled and and push that down. You know that feeling of panic when you're on stage or like, this is bombing, abort. Mm -hmm. Keep going and push your abort button further away, you know? So you can build that that callus of like, I can take a little bit of bombing. I can take it because I'm such a wuss. Like people go, oh, you got so many punchlines. I'm like, yeah, I'm scared of silence. I'm not this brilliant writer guy. I'm just, I'm punching it up so I don't have to feel anything. So, like, yeah, always push it a little further. Try to riff. Do that joke that you're scared of doing. Sometimes when I'm on stage, I'm, like, a little nervous, out of my element. I'm like, this isn't going as well as I hoped. That's when you try the new bit because that's when you're the most vulnerable and raw. And it'll actually kick you into being yourself. It's almost like when you're, trying to, when you're with a girl and you're trying to be cool and funny and it's not going that great. Just go... Well, this isn't going that great. Hold on, let me let me reboot here. It just it's the it's the thing your brain is telling you don't do. Do that sometimes. Go towards that shit. It's like the Del Close thing. Follow the fear. Mm -hmm. Go towards the fear sometimes. And everything in your brain is saying don't, but that's when you should. And it makes the fear go away. Ironically, go into it. Lean into the skid. It's like that Bill Burr thing. He's like, when you're doing stand up, if you're bad at going. To crowd work, go to crowd work because you got to learn it. And the only way to learn is to dive in. It's like basketball players. I can't go left. Well, then work on going left. Same thing. So this is all, you know, heavy inside baseball anal, but just, <laughs> you know, <laughs> try it. <laughs> try it. Write down the, you know, you got that weird joke. You're like, this is weird. Try it. What's going what's gonna to happen? This is all, pra that's the cool thing about stand-up. It's all batting practice. Until TV or the special. Obviously, you don't want to use the audience too much and just be like, you guys are my canvas. I'm going to take a shit on you, and whatever works, I'll keep it, because then you'll be a bad comic. Mm. So play, walk that line of being a pro, killing, giving them a good show, and 
working out your shit and trying shit, and that's a f- that's a good line. And I think some people respect it. They want to hear the new shit. They want to hear you working it out. So, yeah, that's my tid bit. This is tidbit. Good stuff, man. Hey, thank. I feel like I'm finally coming out of this uh, edible. I that when I asked about comedy tips, you like you came to life. Wow, to... this is all I have. No, but it's fun. Like we can just talk about comedy as if it's our first day still. It's, yes, it's that fresh. You know? ah, I love it. It's a special thing, and uh, people are trying to ruin it, and it sucks. But push on through, baby. And that really just scratches the surface of all the gems Mark drops in that episode. But it's linked in the show notes. You want to go check it out for yourself? Definitely, definitely, definitely worth a listen. And really, all these are as we dive into the top five. Coming up next, number two, he's actually a friend of Mark Norman, a fellow New York comedian. And what was so cool about getting to interview this cat was he was in town for a night here in Atlanta, headlining the punchline, and he was willing to do the interview after his show on a Wednesday at like. We didn't start till maybe 11, 11.30. It was at the Punchline, which is connected to a diner. So we're sitting in the diner part doing the interview. Uh, and he's one of the top writers in the game. And just he has a master of just talking about unseemingly funny or more taboo topics and just making them absolutely hilarious. So he breaks down that whole process in this episode. But I just posted this little snippet. Just as a a fun writing tip that I'd like you to um, maybe find inspiration in. It definitely inspired me. Just like Mark's, I think Mark's clip, my favorite, may have been just when you're uncomfortable, push three or four, three or four more sentences just to get stronger. And over time, you get better at that. Super powerful. I'm excited for you to hear this Sam Morell one. Let's get into it. Enjoy. I just, I just kind of wanted to nerd out a little bit on the comedy side especially with you because you like did an independent study at NYU (laughs) about it was like ancient Greek comedy right? yeah I liked it a lot like what did what did that reveal to you about comedy that that it's the same themes going back like 4000 BC you know that it's like it's the same shit forever so it's funny it's like there have always been people that are like you can't say that they've always been those people they've always been uh it's always been kind of like a reflection of the time they were living in. Like if there was a war or something, I think it reflected that. There've always been fart jokes. There's always been dick <laughs> jokes. There's always been every type of joke that people find offensive now. They they've been doing it forever. You know, it's uh, it's almost like when you look at old comedy. It's probably it's like the way you look at like a patient if you're a therapist. Where we like, how did People think it's going to be so unique, but it's like, no, we're all fucking, none of us are that unique. We all have, there's like eight different types of people. We all fall, that's like what comedy is. There's like eight different types of comedies and they're all, they've all been going on for pretty much a long time. There's a girl sometimes that, that a guy wants to be with. Sex plays a big role. One of the ones I remember, I think it was called Lysistrata, was one uh, where like to end the war, none of the women would fuck the guys. That's how they ended the war. They're like, we won't fuck you anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's like kind of interesting because it's like, well, it's like the way it shows the power of the women. Yeah. It shows that like sex has always been a thing in comedy. And it's a pretty funny premise. I mean, alone, if you pitch that now to like a comedy 
person, they'd be like, oh, that's funny. You know, so it, it shows you that like if, if a funny idea is funny, it just kind of works in a sentence, you know? Yeah, comedy is timeless in the sense that Chaplin still carries today. Like, he would still be funny today as opposed so funny. to, like, just a drama in the early 1900s would probably just be boring now. Oh, well, some, it depends, right? I mean, some of it's still hold. I mean, some of it's just revamped Shakespeare, right? Like, some of the movies that you see now, you're like, well, that's basically just a Shakespeare story. Oh, yeah, if you're following themes and things, right. too. Yeah. But... Like, but I know what you mean, like you like in, in tone, you mean, right? Mm-hmm. Like sometimes like you see a movie from the 40s and you're like, you have to kind of put it in that time capsule because you're like, well, people don't, they don't talk like this. They don't. Yeah. Uh, so, but I mean, I still, those are my favorite movies. Usually those like 40s noirs or because uh, it is like a language the way like comedy is a language, mm-hmm. you know, it's like its own thing. You talk about comedy being like math, too, and putting the almost the you said cracking the code. Almost. Yeah, it's like a formula. I mean, I, it's, that's just me being an idiot because I'm terrible at math. Well, but, don't, go, don't backtrack now. But, well, I think it's like, um, yeah, there's almost like it's, I guess the reason I say math is because when it's solved, you know it's solved. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like with a formula, you're like, well, that's the formula. That's like I use, you need the exact word sometimes. Like sometimes I just have a word. I'm like, without that word, the joke doesn't work. It's kind of interesting. Like I remember I had a joke where I said, um, you know, a teacher said to me, I made up that I was molested in a class as a joke. I thought I would get a laugh. Wow. I thought I would get a laugh and I didn't get a laugh. <laughs> so I was in a class where uh, the teacher she called on me and I raised my hand as a, I was in like seventh grade. She was talking about testicular exams. And I said, one time my doctor like kept his hand down there and he played with my penis and no one laughed. And it was like meant to be funny, but it wasn't funny. It was just no joke. I just, I just said someone molested me. So, so in the joke, I remember I said something along the lines of like her saying, well, is that real? And like, this was my out, but instead I doubled down. I said, you know, I did, instead of like bailing, I said, I decided to incriminate a pediatrician, you know, I said, and for whatever reason, incriminate a pediatrician, huh. so much funnier than, uh, said a doctor fucked me or something or said a doctor touched me. Mm-hmm. It's so much funnier because it's like, I don't know. It's like the sound. It's like the perfect words. So it was like, in that way, I mean, it's like a formula where it's like, oh, you know, there's like a rhythm and like as you do comedy more, someone who's really good with words is Nick DiPaolo. He always uses like the right word in a joke. You know, he's good with like sounds and words. You're like, oh, that sounded really funny. Mm-hmm. You know, like I remember he had a joke where he's like, saw a uh, a homeless guy sleeping, and the guy's like sleeping like a baby. He's like, I got a eight hundred dollar water bed at home. Meanwhile, this guy's sleeping on a Heineken or something like something about the way he said Heineken. Right, like, right, right. There's like right. a funny sound to it. Just like it's like the right amount of syllables. And it's like, man, we're sent we're getting geeky with comedy here. But like there is a formula and like once you figure out certain words that work or certain rhythms that work, you can't be too predictable because it's gotta work. And you there's no absolute code, but like once you get good at it, you just get better at those types of codes. Gotcha. So you just you just work in a scale. So you'll say a joke and then be like, there's potential, but there's a better word. And you'll almost brainstorm words. Yeah. Like write down, just list a bunch of words. Yeah, I think so. Cool. I mean, not like there's like some cheat sheet, but it's like you have to find them yourself. You have to find the word, of course. But there's like, yeah, there's definitely certain words that make me laugh always. And and it's funny because you can't go to, sometimes blunt is funnier instead of like some people think you need to be like, 
Yeah, sometimes I'll tell my mom a joke and she'll say some word that's maybe a, a smarter word, but it just sounds too written. And I'm like, well, you got to be talking up there. You can't. Mm. This, this would work in a short story version of the joke. But in the joke, I need to be, I can't use the word you just said. Is she thrilled? Does she like your brand of comedy? I don't know. <laughs> I make her laugh as her son. I don't know if I, I don't know if she likes, I mean, she, she's, there's things she likes about it. She didn't like my last Conan says she told me. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't it matter. For, you're successful. I mean, you're professional. Yeah. It's not for everybody. Around. Yeah. I was, uh, I mean, I'll defend the set. It's not for everybody. Look, it was, I guess the set as far as like, it's not like a mom set. I did like a few jokes about predators in Hollywood and then I did a joke about how I wear condoms. I did a joke. I mean, I did jokes where I'm like, which everything, she should be happy about the condom thing. That's a good thing that I'm yeah, working on. Yeah, that you were willing to wear it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was a set where you're like, maybe it's just things you don't want to think. Like, I wouldn't want to hear jokes about my mom having sex. Yeah, that's true. And people not in comedy don't look at it like, oh, he got a laugh off that. That's very impressive. They're like, I can't believe he said that. Right, yeah, people you know? close to you. Yeah, well, look, I... I have other people close to me who are like, I don't like that you said that joke, you know, whether it be like, huh, you know, whoever, but certain people, certain things are just for you and that person. And as comics, we're like, well, this is, we have that sense of entitlement. Well, this is my life. I'm allowed to express myself. Right. We forget about other people and look, I've been in other people's acts and it doesn't throw me, but I kind of just like, it's like, it's part of what you kind of what you signed up for, whether or not you signed up for it. All right, let's get into this next one here. I think my favorite part is really Sam's context behind his comedy. He actually did an independent study on ancient Greek comedy. And I, I think that just really shows a lot of times we look at comedy and we're like, oh, they're just funny because they're funny. But Everyone I've interviewed, they're funny for a reason. People have natural abilities and things like that, but everyone that's successful has worked extremely hard at it. So talent is just half the battle. Putting in the work, the research, understanding how comedy works will really go a long way in showing you, I mean, how the success of Sam, it really makes more sense now. He's funny naturally, but he's put in a lot of hard work into it, so... I'd be interested to hear your favorite moment from that one. There's so many good tips in there, but let's keep the tips rolling. We're only on number two. We're hitting number three right now, baby. Number three, coming right at you with the one, with the only. Tom Simmons, ladies and gentlemen. Tom Simmons is one of my favorite comedians working today. He is able to, like... We talk about with Sam, these like taboo topics. Tom Simmons takes it to another level, and he is one of the hands-down funniest comics I have ever seen. One of the best writers I've ever seen. His episode, probably the, if not one of, best episodes we have about comedy writing. He breaks down the whole formula of writing. I'll link it in the show notes for you to check it out, but here's just a fun Little um, little clip where he breaks down how he does a joke, one of my favorite jokes he has, and I hope you find it as helpful as I do. So let's say, let's take the, the Fed joke for an example, just because that's that's one. Just like your web series, they can go online see this joke. So like, what what you just heard a fact about the Federal Reserve, and then it sparked in your head that okay, this 
this has some potential behind it. And then you go in and researching because the joke goes from having dead presidents on the money that didn't support the Federal Reserve. And then you take it all the way to that's like Mother Teresa condoms. Yeah, yeah. Like condoms like, having Mother Teresa on them. Yeah. So, so like, how do you how do you create? That's just jo- that's just connection? joke, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what's a that's that's like, you know what I mean? It's like that's that's standard joke writing, mm-hmm. right? To me, like you're you you do like a you, the metaphor joke or the, you know, I can't now I can't think of an example. But, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean making the connections, but you know making those connections, not everybody can do. Oh yeah, well you just have to write them. You have to sit and write. 20 of them and then one works you know oh well yeah that's true (laughs) right yeah (laughs) you just keep going you know that's like that's like playing marco polo and everybody can see you know no that's not at all you know like (laughs) you got to find that's how i do it really it's usually like one out of 20 you end up keeping yeah yeah probably yeah. yeah you know who like early on like a tell like the first time i worked with a tell it was like that was one of those like you know when you work you still watch a comic that just humbles you as a comedian uh, yeah you know and yeah. that's however high that percentage is varies as you go through your thing but he was the first one that really made me just be like what the what <laughs> like like the same joke would have a different punchline, and then the next night it would have three tags and two of them would be different than the two before the night before and so it was like he had you know like he would do that he would write 25 whatever the punchlines are and then mm-hmm. just sort of rotate them into the same joke it was i I never it never occurred to me you could do comedy that way before I saw him and it was just was I remember just being that's amazing. <laughs> so you just so it'd be like then you get into a thing where you're like, now I'm gonna try to write a a different tag for that or write four tags for that so that I use two of them or yeah. That's how I how many times will you try a joke before you just kill it? It seems like never. But I mean yeah. like you because they always work once. That's yes. Sometimes the first time is the best or only time it works. Yes, that's so, so annoying. So that never stops. <laughs> You're twenty over twenty years in. That never stops. <laughs> never, <laughs> never. Or you had a that's joke that know. was just killing. Yeah, and that's like your thing. And then mm-hmm. it's like all of a sudden nothing anymore. Yeah. And then you have another joke like like that. Like it never works again. And then something comes up in the crowd like in the moment and then you have that joke and it feels like you just thought of it and it comes out that way and then it crushes again and then you're like oh this is i can do this joke yeah. and then you try it again no <laughs> it's still not funny but then other times like it, then you can come back to them and they're like oh that line that never worked like it fits here when there's three jokes on the subject okay then then it works but when it was sort of on its own mm-hmm. or when it was in this context over here it didn't really work but just reworded a little bit there. That's how I, I mean, it's, I, they never really, but I'll, I'll try them. Sometimes I'll try them once and it'll be like, holy shit, that was terrible. And I'll never right. do it again. Just or, hearing it come out. Or, um, but I try them. I'll have like a little card like this or whatever. And it'll have like a list of whatever, 15 topics or whatever that I'm kind of working on. Or So oh, okay. I'll look at that before I go on or I'll have it up on stage and I'll glance down and be like, all right, travel ball, let's do, do that. And then, I sort of grade them, and as you can see, some of them get done more than others as I try them. And then once they're, they get a lot of down arrows, I'm like, all right, I'll put it aside. And then maybe I'll come back to it a couple months later or a year or two later where I'm looking back through to, to either throw the card away. Or, right, yeah. And then I'll be like, oh, that was fun. I could try that, you know, again. And So that, it, so the check, the check means it worked, and then the minus means no? 
Yeah, is that how you know kind of the check was like it, it's okay? And then sometimes I'll do like it'll have like a it'll have like a varying degree of either down or you know <laughs> depending on where it lies on the spectrum. Oh it, right, it'll it, do like depending on the angle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it'll I'll sort of angle it different ways. Like oh, I went okay, or that was terrible, or you know. And, and over time, I can kind of see, and you know, after telling a few jokes, oh, that works, and then you. You have a hard time not telling it if it works. Right. Yeah. You can get lazy with it, I guess. Yeah. But I've, I'll, I'll sometimes have a joke like I have a joke where I compare like the Mexicans to Chinese. Because like I was I was a pizza delivery guy and uh, like you from right. Florida and I, also a dishwasher because I went to college and, you know, that was. Yeah, just, that's our career. You're in yeah. restaurants. Too. Yeah. yeah, that was, okay. you know, that Ponzi scheme. So. <laughs> So then I, I was like working with Mexicans in an Italian restaurant and I was like, oh, we're kind of using Mexicans like we use the Chinese. So I was trying to compare the labor, but saying that on stage, I've, I've gotten heckled like that's racist. Right. Things, but me getting reaction, you're like, OK, there's something there because yes. they're at least reacting to it. So yeah. it's evolved into being funny now. But do you find your jokes maybe start off at least if they get a reaction, you know, that has something to keep going? Yes, on. yes, yes, yes. Okay. But, yeah. But I. I and then it's hard to just like I have to care about somehow like it's, they're, they're so flat like sometimes mm-hmm. I'll go months where the same like it just feels so flat and then it I'll get reinvigorated but yeah I get I can get that but I, normally I try to avoid like I, to me that's a sign to yes there's something there but I I need to write so that I've already made that guy laugh and sort of agree with me so that now he he's in on the on it so I have, I try to do it so I'm. I'm stopping that confrontation before it starts. If that's you can, I do that. Jimmy Dore gave me advice long ago about asking questions. Okay. And like, if you set it up in sort of a like, what do you guys think about abortion? Or, hey, I'm gonna talk about abortion. Like, don't even. I, I gotta keep in mind. Don't give them a chance to. Th- what do I think about it? So that they don't start to think differently than what. It's not important what they think about it. It's important what I'm getting ready to say and where I'm where I'm trying to take them with it. You know? So you just tell them what you think of abortion instead of like, not all like, yeah, it. but lately, like now I'm trying to work it on some of this stuff and I find myself tiptoeing in and mm. then it, it just screws you, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, cause they start to go, no, 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 no. And you don't have, I don't have a chance to set up. Here's why I think you're going to come along on this little trip through me making fun of your point of view. Yeah, because, I mean, these aren't just points of view on like, oh, at the water cooler, you're hitting like religion, politics. I remember seeing you at Uptown and this wasn't the night you got the candle thrown at you, yeah. but I was there for that <laughs> as so well. so young. Man. <laughs> I, was, I, been to, I, I mean, I'm 28. Yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it was a night you dropped, you have a joke where you drop the N word in front of an all black crowd and they laugh at it. Because there's a way to, there's a, it's not racist. They, if they can see I'm not racist and that I'm, um saying it just like anybody would say it that it, in the context I was saying it it made sense I now I don't even remember I've had three or four different somehow like you said I can't do that so. yes <laughs> but they've all sort of had that sort of twist of like it makes sense you know like I used to do the the, the, the specifically the one was because I'm making fun of the racist in them almost always gotcha or always really right yeah like now I do want to I that's where I'm getting to where I can't do it because it's it's time is almost up is the um doing one about John Kuhn, a, a football player that's played for the Packers for years now mm-hmm. he plays for Texans or somebody and how the crowd yells out Kuhn at him and I'm like what that's, that's <laughs> my watching you know NFL classics or yeah you know? so it's <laughs> so there's ways to do it that's what I'm saying 
I think. But to get to the point where they're laughing at it and not wanting to kill you, like with that, because I think the joke specifically was about maybe quitting saying the N word. Yeah, yeah, it was the it was the probably the Negret Patch joke. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah. I didn't so, want to say it even right, on a so, podcast for some reason. <laughs> right, it's so ridiculous, but that's how I was. <laughs> like, maybe I can get him to say it. Yes. <laughs> it, was the, it was the yeah, that's what it was. Because, but the joke was yeah, we can't get people to, and then it was I, now I can't. I don't have it in my head anymore. Yeah. I'd have to go back and start and get to it, but. It made sense in the context, yes. We're trying to stop saying it now. The only people that are going to be doing it are like, like I only use it when I've been drinking, you know, like a right, cigarette. It right. was all that play on yeah. it. Yeah. You know what happened with that is um, I've been doing it. I'd, I'd sort of gotten to where I'd stopped doing it that much. And then they did it on The Daily Show. They did a version of it on Daily Show. Oh. And then it was, so it's it stole all heart from me yeah. ever doing the joke. So it, I just sort of dropped it. Yeah. Yeah. I told you about that one, Hot Brother and Sister, and that one is definitely worth diving back into. And he reaches out and he connects on social media, so reach out to him and let him know how helpful his episode was. The fact he's a middle-aged white guy who gets away with saying the N-word on stage because he is such a craftsman of comedy. He understands how to create a connection with an audience and a relationship with an audience and a trust with a room of strangers. It The first time I saw him, it really opened my eyes, not that I, I want to say the N-word on stage, but just what is possible in comedy. And when comedy is crafted poetically, we really do have complete freedom of speech. So that just showed the power of comedy and the real connection and trust you can build with an audience. So that's, that's my favorite part, just in expanding what is possible in comedy and one of the best. So definitely listen to that full episode. And we are down to two more, Hot Brother and Sister. And these next two, absolute hilarious comedians, but also some of the most highly respected, sought-after writers in comedy as well. So behind the camera, these next two comics are absolutely killing it, and you're about to learn why. So this next one, Beth Stelling... Another example of just how generous comedians are. I can tell you the most successful comics I've interviewed have also been the nicest. It's incredible. She was in town here at the Laughing Skull. I reached out to her on social media. Asked if she'd be interested in doing an interview. She squeezed it in, in between two of her shows. So we're in the green room of the Laughing Skull here. And in between like her 8 and 10.30 show, she squeezes in about 25 minutes. She had friends coming in to visit her, but she not kicked everyone out, but she kind of said, all right, we're about to do this interview. Everyone left the green room, and she just, we locked in, and she shared so much great information. It really did inspire me just in terms of just being nice and generous really does go a long way. She is one of my favorite, favorite comics if you have not seen her Conan sets, I mean, incredible. Her net, She's been on Netflix as well, so many different things. One of the best writers in the game, and you're about to learn why. So take notes on this one. My managers were just like, um, hey, Judd Apatow just called and asked if you wanted to write for Crashing. And I was like, yes. <laughs> 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 you know, oh, yeah. um, I do. And I just remember, like, this is incredible. You know, like my life... Um, will change because of this because it's very difficult to get a writing job. And, you know, I had done a couple... Judd, at that time, um, he had seen me out a lot because he was starting to get back into stand-up. 
And so, as we saw, his special came out last Christmas mm-hmm. time. Um, that's what he was working towards. But, like, that's why his reinvestment in stand-up and, and Pete's show and all of that inspired him to start doing stand-up again. I'm sure among other things. But um, from my viewpoint and talking with him. So, he saw him, he was out on the scene getting back into it. And he saw me. And I had been on the Pete Holmes show. And I knew Pete. And so, when it came to hiring writers, they just they thought of me. And I, I went in to, to write for it. So what does a typical day look like on the writing job? Um, you get in, you have coffee. What time? <laughs> Usually around nine. Okay. Yeah. Reasonable hour. Yeah, sometimes we would start early. Um, and then you already start thinking about lunch. It's a lot of ordering food. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of ordering food and coffee. Um, but yeah, I mean, the ideal early processes are what, what the early um, stages, I should say, are like... Um, what well, what they would call like blue sky. So you're just sort of pitching things out in a sort of brainstormy way, mm-hmm. um, sharing stories and stuff where where the show could go, you know, from your own life and, you know, just commiserating, but also sharing group experience. And a lot of us have been to the same comedy clubs, and so we know the owners. We share our different stories about that right. owner, and, you know, and all the things that could happen. And uh, there there's a writer's assistant in the room who usually that person is wants to be a writer. And they work extremely hard and they're paid the least. And, you know, they do a lot of work because they're organizing everybody's thoughts and taking them down in oh real time. Oh, my gosh. Yes. The writer's <laughs> assistant is a very, very tough job. I think they're somewhat hard to get. And like I said, they work so yeah. hard and they're paid the least. Um, and so they're there taking everything down. And then those notes will go out and you can, you know, review them over, the, you know, overnight if you want and the next day come in and as weeks go on in the early stages you're sort of trying to map out the season you know episodes whatever how many episodes your show is but Mm -hmm. for us one through eight and um sort of the arc of the season and the characters and all of those things they start to take form as the weeks go on and we sort of lock things in and Judd would pop. He's not there every single day, but he sort of pop in. Sorry, it's so loud. No, you're cool. Okay. These these mics will pick up mainly Oh, good, good. Okay. Yeah. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is calm. This is the grind right here. I know everybody's out in the other room yelling. Um, but Judd would sort of come in and basically um, sort of shape or hone in on the ideas or basically share his expertise. Like, here's where I think this should go. Wow. And sometimes we'd be going off on a tangent for a long time. And if he didn't pop in for a while, he could come in and be like, no, he, he would never be like, no, you know, he's not like that. He would just be like, what if it goes in this direction? Or I think the series, like for season one, I remember he's like, what if um, it ends with Leaf and Pete in a bed together? And then so we would have to sort of find our way to that, oh. even if even if that's not where we were going at all. So Interesting. We, so, so yeah, he's, I mean, he's the executive producer, so he has pretty much the, the final say. It's almost like one of those tent poles, though. Yeah. Like you said, like with your stand-up, it's Yeah, like, like here's where we need to get. Mo- oh, like yeah. the, the destination. Yeah, he want, he had a vision for how he wanted the season to end and how we were going to get there was <laughs> our the, the task. And how, how many hours a day is this? Usually, it, it depends on your showrunner, like their style. And, you know, sometimes if they feel like, well, you're exhausted, we've exhausted our minds today, you can go home. Mm-hmm. It depends, but... You know, there are shows I know for a fact. I've you, you hear these stories about like, oh, uh, the new girl room was really long. They would be there sometimes overnight, you know, or stay till eleven or midnight. And with crashing, it was typically like nine or ten to to six ish, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, so like decent hours, sometimes earlier, sometimes later. 
I've heard Pete say in interviews um, with Crashing specifically and writing it that uh, he felt like if what they were talking about didn't make him uncomfortable or didn't mm -hmm. feel too personal to share, mm -hmm. then it almost wasn't worth keeping. Mm -hmm. Do you find the same with your material or things that you write as well? Or did you find that in the show? Or Yeah, I mean, I think it's like you, your desire obviously is to connect with people. I mean, my desire is to connect with people first and foremost, but in my own very unique way. And so, I mean, I'm not calling myself very unique, but I'm saying ideally I'm connecting with them in a unique way. You mm -hmm. know, I don't, I don't want it to be... I, I like the specificity of things, you know? And so my favorite things early on in stand-up were when I would see a comic talking about something very, very specific and me knowing exactly what they were talking about, it just made me laugh so hard and that was my favorite thing about it. Mm. Is like, how could they... And those are the moments where you're like, man, I wish I thought of that. Those, those times where you see jokes that you're basically jealous of because you're like, that's so good. Why didn't I... So really, all you're trying to do is just get that unique perspective on topics that really a lot of people can relate to you know and then again not everyone is going to like you and i think that's probably a good thing in yeah. my opinion it hurts a little because a lot of us are you know either star for attention or <laughs> we're in this for a reason because we need that like sort of love from out the outside so it can hurt a little if not everybody likes what you do but i think in general it's probably i would prefer having a specific group of people than everyone do you think that's helped you to find your voice as well? Like you said, yeah, being I mean, more comfortable. Right. I don't like, I guess I, maybe I would be fooling myself to say that I don't love creating some tension, you know, I think I do. Um, I think too, for a long time, it was one of those things where it's like, you just, you want to, you don't want to stir things up or whatever, or have like a super strong opinion because, because you want to be liked. And mm -hmm. that was obviously a theme for me as a kid, as like a little performer and attention seeker. Like I wanted to be liked. And obviously I still have that in me as a stand-up. You know, I enjoy getting laughs. Um, but now I think I, I have more of a desire to say what's on my mind or, or, or make a sort of statement or a point or share my perspective on it, you know? Yeah. And maybe open up somebody else's mind to it. Yeah. So I don't necessarily want to be like... You know, I'm not a super political comic. I'm not, or at least I don't, I mean, I don't see myself that way. Um, but I would like to, sh like, open up somebody's eyes to, to a different perspective. This is it, hot brethren and sistren. My favorite, I would say, from Beth Stelling is just getting that behind-the-scenes look into working with Judd Apatow. And really, I've heard that in writer's rooms before where they write themselves into a corner. I've heard a lot of TV shows do that. And it's fun to hear Judd Apatow saying, oh, maybe the season should end with them in bed together. And then now it's their job to figure out how to make that happen. Just such a fun insight into thinking of story arc, where you start and then where you end up, and then how to fill in the beats between. So fun, so insightful. So this final one, numero cinco of the top five writing tips. Who do you think it is, huh? We've had Mark Norman, Sam Morell, Tom Simmons, Beth Stelling. How could it get any better? Well, we're going to take it up a notch on this one because this cat, if you've ever listened to Joe Rogan, he's opened up for Joe Rogan several times. He has his own Comedy Central special. 
But he is known, you've heard Joe Rogan say on his podcast several times, one of the best writers in the game. One of the most just credited writers as well. He's written on everything from Blackish to Two Broke Girls to SNL. Like He has killed the writer's room. And even in this interview, we talk more about his stand-up because that's where he's wanting the attention to shift now. He's been in the writer's room a lot, but now he's ready to kind of start being known as a stand-up comedian. He is an absolute killer. I got to see him live, and he's another generous comedian that I reach out to him on social media. I go meet him at the Laughing Skull, talk about doing an interview, and then now we're in the the lobby of his hotel where we've interviewed this same lobby (laughs) I interviewed uh, Roy Wood Jr., Robert Kelly, Noah Garden-Schwartz, countless interviews I've done in this lobby. Ian Edwards, ladies and gentlemen. Ian Edwards. We're going to end with a bang here because I just straight up just ask him, like, what is the secret to joke writing? And he really breaks it down and simplifies it in a way that I feel like I've gotten the most feedback out of this episode more comics than maybe any episode have messaged me or come up to me at a show and been like, yo, Daddy and Edwards episode, it just took all the pressure away. So I'm hoping as we're entering 2020 here, it has the same effect on you and really jumpstarts your writing habit this year. So enjoy, and I'll see you on the other side. I, I did learn in researching you, you talked about like studying comedians while in New York and like seeing someone like Chris Rock work out a bit from just saying it or reading it to mm-hmm. now seeing it on a special. Right. And you, you talked about being able to watch a comedian in the right way to actually study them and what do you mean, learn watch from a comedian them. in the right way. Well, you would watch like a Richard Pryor and like Bill Cosby and actually right. be studying their moves as opposed to just listening for the joke. You're actually well, studying how they're funny. Well, you just pick up things from them. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I look at Richard Pryor, and the first thing that stuck out to me more than anything was originality. Mm. And I was like, well, how, why is he original? Obviously, because he's talking about his life. And then that led to me thinking that, you know, realizing probably f- for the first time or at an early age that every person is an individual. And we've all been through, even though we're all human and we're all connected, we're all the same, that we're all different Mm. and then if you bring the different parts of you on stage then you won't be sound like everybody else so so that gave me the you know watching Richard Pryor because I can't do characters like he can but I can be myself like he he was and so watching Richard Pryor taught me that also watching Richard Pryor and Bill Cosby taught me good storytelling and structure mm-hmm. and then i'd watch other comics and i see that they'd have one-liners and then it was easy for me to write one-liners at first too like you, you just get a sentence like uh or like if somebody like there were comics that would like turn facts into jokes like i had a like so i just started trying to gather facts at first like uh like one fact was like most car accidents happen within 10 miles of your home and i'd be like i haven't been in an accident in years i just parked 20 miles from home (laughs) you know so you just just figure out a way Uh you know like that but then you're like shit how many one-liners i need 50 one-liners right 
But then I realized, oh, you just take the topics and keep tagging them. You know what I mean? You just keep tagging them. And then, so, so like, I have a shark attack joke. That was just, it's a bit. If you see, it's a bit, but it was just one line at first. Hmm. So then I realized, let me just, there's, there's more meat on the bone. Just circle around it, study it, look at it. And what are the thoughts come to my head from looking at this one line or this one fact? Oh, let me find out some more shit about sharks. Let me, let me, let me uh, watch the whole story on the news and find out more about the story. Saw the girls' press conference. So then I kind of made jokes about the press conference and then uh, how I feel okay. about, about what, what, what I would do if I was her, what my reaction would be. And then you just, then it becomes a bit. Do you have a formula for surveying a topic where you're like, okay, let me hit it from the girl's angle. Let me explore it from my angle, maybe the news's angle. Like, do you have almost like a checklist you go through when doing that? Nah, like, like even like a, sometimes I turn a tweet into a bit. Okay. So then I just, sometimes you just come up with a joke. Sometimes you see the topic and then you, and you uh, figure out the joke. You know what I mean? But once you figure out the joke, you keep looking, research the topic some more. You can Google stuff or some some words. Like you'll read a word in a, a paragraph and that stands out. And it's like, let me find more the meaning of that word. Mm -hmm. And then you just keep digging and then more shit comes out. And then sometimes if I want to write a joke about a topic, I'll just vomit. I'll just let's write anything that comes out about don't even think about it just write anything that comes out about it and then in there will be something you clear out all it'll be something and then then you do it again on that something and you, there's something and you just add up come up with a bunch of shit and is that something a phrase or a single word phrase or? word anything uh -huh. yeah it could be a slang word you know i have a joke about fuck boy you know mm -hmm. it's just a slang word you know and i just thought about how different that word meant something else when I was a kid hmm. or when I was younger and what it means now. And then I made a joke about that and it's in the special. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. cool. And it's a whole bit. But it grew from you just free writing about fuckboy, finding some funny things with Well, I was riffing. As a matter of fact, I was riffing with Jermaine Fowler. Like somebody had called him fuckboy in a tweet. Oh, okay. And then he, he, we were at West Side Comedy Club in the green room and uh he he read that off and then uh, then that just came out yeah, <laughs> yeah. and w will you take note when things pop up how do you sometimes yeah i write it? stuff in my phone so i don't forget it like uh -huh. i used to think i remember everything and then after years of not writing <laughs> down anything and right. not having new material because i i would write down everything or you mm -hmm. or you make the voice record message to yourself now I have this thing where I just text to myself. I'll do that too. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So you'll do free writing. Are there any other techniques you'll use in writing? Uh, there's yeah. I use all the techniques. I'll stand in the mirror, and go over shit, and then because you're just by yourself, you're freer to improvise. You're not waiting for an audience to tell you that the joke is done. Mm -hmm. So you'll go further than you normally would in front of a bunch of people. At least I do. I'll sit down and write with either a pen or type, uh, conversations. Like when I first started, when you, you mentioned about the Burger King thing, mm -hmm. uh, when I first, so once I decided I was gonna do stand-up, uh, 
I realized, where am I going to get material from? So anything that I would say to somebody that was funny and they would laugh, I'd write that down, make a note of that okay. to use as a joke. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then start gathering material like that. Like, I'd, like I, I didn't want to waste anything, any idea. And then sometimes also when you're in the middle of doing nothing, like taking a shower, washing your car, or just doing like a task, material, or to fix for a joke, the patch for a joke would come. Oh, and then, okay. Yeah. Stuff you will happen. Be sure to write it down. You have to write it down. Patch. Yeah, don't forget yeah. that patch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is the success rate for a joke? I've interviewed comics on here who say like one out of 20 jokes they'll end up keeping. All right, how breath of verse. There you go. No more excuses. The top five writing tips of hot breath. Now in 2020, I hope this inspires you all, including myself, to get out there and start that daily writing routine we all aspire and know we should be doing. I think this final clip, I ended with it with Ian because he really takes away the romanticism or the obligation of having to make magic every single day. It's really just showing up to the page, just finding that one tag and then moving on. A a lot of what I'll do when when I do have a good writing routine is I'm like, I'll just write a page. If I just show up and write a single page, whether that's free writing, whether that's doing a mind map, whether that's doing a Venn diagram, just do something on a page. Sometimes it grows to two pages or three pages. Other times it just ends at a page. And hey, I showed up to the page that day. Great success. Now, in the Tom Simmons interview, we talk about one out of every 20 jokes we may end up keeping. So it's just a law of numbers. The more you write, the more chances you're giving yourself to find that next great joke. So I do want to say thank you for listening to this. I did actually write a comedy writing book. It's called Finding Your Funny, the Comics Playbook. I will link it in the show notes. But I designed this book with a professor from MIT who's actually one of my students, Robert Joseph. He came up to me in class and was like, this class should be a book. So a few months later, we wrote a book together that really breaks down how to take a thought in your head, formulate it into a joke, edit it into an, a punchline and then organize it into an actual like tight five minute set. So if that's something you're interested in that you think will help you really get your writing routine going this year, I always use it as a resource to kickstart my writing and really get the excuses out of the way and just get to writing. So if you're interested, it's linked in the show notes. It's at comicsplaybook.com. Reach out with any questions. You know, I'm happy to help however I can. You know, those of you that have reached out to me, I do respond. And I do genuinely enjoy engaging with you. So if you enjoy this podcast, if you enjoy me talking more directly to you as opposed to an interview, let me know. And more importantly, if you enjoy all these free podcasts and all this free information you're getting, consider getting the comedy special. All right. I 10 years into comedy, I'm, I invested in myself. I paid to have this done. I'm paying to promote it. I'm rolling it out all independently, hoping to inspire other comics to do the same. So if that resonates with you and you want to support that mission, go to the link in bio. Link in bio? What is this, Instagram? Go in the link in the show notes. It'll be at the top. It says, get Joel's comedy special here. Or go to my website, joelbyerscomedy.com. But it really does make a difference. I love helping and supporting comics and anything I can do to help, please don't hesitate to reach out. I love you all so much. 
This community means the world to me, especially now that we are worldwide. I feel like the more we can work and connect, not only with me, but with other listeners, which is why that Facebook group we have, just so we can all connect in a more intimate and effective way beyond just tags and things like that. I feel like in 2020, that's how this episode came to be. I listened to you and your feedback. You want to write more? Okay, here's an episode to help you write more. So let's hold each other accountable. I think in the Facebook group, I'm going to start like a daily tally that, hey, I wrote today. Anyone else? Because I, I, just like you, need to be held more accountable. So I think this episode is the start of that. And good luck out there on the grind, kids. Go pick up that Trophy Husband comedy special. Get on stage. Connect with other comics. Let them know when you're at that open mic. Hey, have you heard Hot Breath Podcast? And shoot them our way. And we will get them in the vortex. My favorite moment is when someone's like, I found your show last week. I've already listened to 20 episodes. That's my favorite, favorite, favorite comments I get. So all that being said, go forth. Keep grinding out there, kids. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all your listening and commitment to comedy. Of course, I end all these by thanking my wife, Erin, for making the theme song. She also made the theme song for my comedy special. So if anything, go check out the trailer, which is in the link. And um, very proud of it. Put my heart and soul into it. I'm very proud of it. And what's possible and the, the potential impact we can have on comedy and comedians. So I'll talk to you all on the internet until next week. Until next Monday. Right here on Hot Breath. <sighs> <sighs>